Welcome to Cinemaholics. So usually I'd be like, oh, hey, it's me, John, and there's Will, but I do not recognize you anymore, Will, because you shaved your beard off. Sure. You took a chainsaw to your face. No. That, and it's it's kind of thrown me off. I did not take a chainsaw to my face. What a violent looks like. image to You conjure. had a pretty big beard. I did have a beard, and now I don't have a beard. Um, but this is an audio form, so people don't know that. I don't know. I, feel, I, I like to think the way we talk, listeners can really see it in their mind's eye, you know? They, they can, probably knew before you said anything. They can hear my beard rustling on the mic. Yeah, I mean, it has a very distinct sound. So we're talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes, we are. We've never talked about these movies together, have we? No, I was going to actually ask you your relationship to these movies, because I have a uh, impartial, I guess, relationship to these movies. I've definitely seen the first one at least a handful of times. I don't know about you. Same here. Well, that's the thing. So this is this is weird for me. Okay. Okay. I've only seen the first one. Okay. I've never seen any of the others. Well, you're in luck uh, because this is supposed to be a direct sequel to the original film, which makes zero sense at all. <sighs> they're doing they're doing the Halloween yeah. Halloween twenty eighteen thing. Very yeah. shamelessly and cynic in a very cynical fashion trying to rip off the twenty eleven or twenty eighteen, sorry, uh Halloween seaboot or Oh, cool. yeah. It, it, like they clear like it's so obvious, but it's funny, too, because it, it, the timing is is unbelievable because we just had Halloween kills and scream. Yes. Which scream is like doing nothing but making fun of this. Yeah. And it's just oh, it's just chef's kiss in terms well, of <laughs> uh, Netflix releasing this. And it's on Netflix. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? Well, that's the, the kind of fascinating thing about the film. And I'm going to try to pull up the Wikipedia page, which is, you know, obviously with the film yeah because this film i don't know if you even know the storied history that this movie has as far as it's very troubled release and production well, the, well i well yeah because it involves leatherface right which came out 2017 while we were we were in the middle of cinemaholics we, I, we didn't talk about that movie right i didn't see it well, that's a completely separate film but yeah uh going to it is. uh what you're saying that ever since the original film obviously toby hooper's original Texas Chainsaw Massacre is basically a masterpiece of the indie horror uh, genre because, you know, it it is one of the films that its indiness is, I think, so crucial and key to what makes that movie Mm -hmm. so successful. It has genuine kind of grimy texture to it. It, 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 The characters feel so real and everything about it, it it became so controversial and so... uh, lived in because it it had that kind of limited quality to it. Like there's so much you don't know about the family. There's so much you don't know about the man who became Leatherface. It's just, yeah, what you don't know is what makes that movie so rich in many respects. It's kind of key to why that movie is so uh, remembered and cherished as a indie horror film. And the horror genre, it's being what it is, has always been like, let's return to that. Well, again, again, but they keep making it glossier. They keep trying to make it more studio friendly. And that's taking away from what makes those movies or made that first movie, at least so exceptional. And I, even Toby Hooper seemed to recognize that with uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which I know yeah, he, he did it like a decade later, 1986, and the, which I've, I've never seen the sequel. So the sequel um, 
it's not a movie I love, but I definitely respect it more so than basically any other Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie that I have seen. It's a comedy, yes. isn't it? it? They just they just sort of parodied. Yeah, it's basically um, what I think uh, Rob Zombie has been trying to do for the past however many years he's been directing films. What? Because, well, Rob Zombie's I think his favorite film is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. If you've seen any of the Rob Zombie films, he's definitely tried to. Emulate yeah, that he's style. clearly a child of those movies. Right. But the, the second one, it definitely it's him working in the studio vein. So Toby Huber's like, I'm not going to make that movie again. That That is just a lightning in a bottle success. So what I'm yeah. going to do is just completely bombastic and make it, you know, with these kooky characters and really like he said, make it more of a farce and have Dennis Hopper really ham it up and chew the scenery and all this stuff. And it's not a great film but at least it goes in a completely different direction and recognizes that the budget is going to make it a totally different film with a totally different vibe and kind of similar to Halloween 3 where they tried to you know anthologize the series and push away from what made the original Halloween great all the subsequent sequels have been trying in, in vain mostly to recreate the magic of the first film and, and a lot of those movies don't work because you just are never going to have that same magic again that you know, either how I, I did not expect you to like have so much to say about this is like you've been waiting for this moment. I know you were so passionate about the Texas Chainsaw franchise. Well, that's the thing, right? Is that I mean, I've only really seen a handful of these films before the 2022 film. There's a lot I've seen. Yeah, the first I'm looking two. at the list right now. I haven't heard of some of these movies. I've seen the first one and I've seen the second film and I've seen the 20 or sorry, 2003 remake, the one with Jessica Biel. Um, yeah, I remember that one. I didn't watch it, but I remember it was Michael Bay, right? Yeah. Uh, the Texas Chainsaw Platinum Massacre. So it's Dunes, yeah. Well, it was weird about that, too, is the first movie, Chainsaw, is two words, and then it's one word, every movie onward, but the remake, they do the one word, and that's, like, the only difference. True. And now we just have Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's like a parody. I mean, it's just literally like li reading this is like that meme where it's just like you're constantly doing weird things to the title as a sequel instead of just adding a number because like the third one is leatherface the texas chainsaw massacre three mm -hmm. it's like it's like what is this rambo like it, it's uh, there's even texas chainsaw massacre the next generation like this is like this is gd degrassi like what are we doing that's one with uh renee zellweger and um uh matthew mcconaughey right that's one of the ones i haven't seen uh, yeah, I I've never even I had no idea that they were even in. This was 1995. Yeah. And first time ever even hearing of this. Prior to this film, that one was considered like the nadir the nadir of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. I think uh, the nadir. Wait, what do you mean? Like it was like, considered the low point of the franchise. Oh, the low point. Yeah, okay, the nadir. Right? Am I using that word correctly? I've used misused it before. You probably you probably are. It's just when I heard you, the way you said it, I was like, wait, are you saying it's good no i uh i've misused that word before so i apologize i think no i think i think you're using the word right i think it's just the way you said it yeah uh <laughs> i it's one of those words i always see written out but i've never really said that often so if, if i am mispronouncing i apologize but mm -hmm. um yeah i mean that one I think you're right that one i know is considered a low point of the franchise but i have seen another considered low point of the franchise which is a film called texas chainsaw no massacre in that title uh or i think its actual title is texas chainsaw 3d which is yeah, fun yeah, with, yeah. Uh, alexandra I remember this. daddario um alexandra daddario daddario uh i think that's how you say it that one is very forgettable to me but i know some people really uh dislike that one pretty passionately but yeah, I mean, oh, Scott Eastwood was in that too. Wow. If you say so. I mean, I really don't remember that one much <laughs> Trey of all. Trey songs? 
Uh, what was it? What in the world? Trey Songs was in this sure. too. I don't know. I just I know it existed. I know it was one of those movies, those horror movies that came out like the first weekend of January, trying to capitalize on that. You know, usually very profitable time for horror movies. Having a high profile horror film be the first film of said mm-hmm. year. I think that was twenty thirteen. Um, yeah. Well, you skipped over the prequel, right. I guess. Texas There's Chainsaw Massacre. Texas Chainsaw, the beginning. Yeah. Which the I beginning. Seen. Like I said, I've only seen the first two, the remake, and Texas Chainsaw 3D before this one. So the other ones I have not seen. And Michael Bay co-produced it. I did not know that. Wow. Isn't that? This is such a storied history. That's a prequel, though, to the the remake, right? Or is that supposed to be? That's that's my idea. That's what I'm thinking based on I'm looking at the producers here. Um, It would make sense, I guess. That's why I was wondering, like, when I went into this new one, is like, oh, is this going to be tying to the remake version of this? And then immediately I was like, from the first scene, I was like, no, no, no. They're making it clear that, that no, they're pretending those movies don't exist. But I know this is uh, Fetty Alvarez, who obviously had yes. pretty good success. He didn't direct the film, but he produced Producer. it. And did he? Story credit. Yeah, I was say, he got a writing credit on it. Uh, and he obviously is a. Uh, Came, he's coming to fame through uh, directing the Evil Dead remake and also directing mm-hmm. the first uh, Don't Breathe film. I think he produced and co-wrote yeah. Don't Breathe 2. Um, I, I quite like both of those movies. You mean the the first Don't Breathe and the uh, Evil Dead remake? Or You yes. haven't seen Don't Breathe 2, I know. You, I knew you took a stance no, and I never watched it. not to see it. Um, but It was more of just like... I didn't have a reason to see it. I was like, the first one's good. Why? Do, I don't know. Nothing about the marketing. I was just like, eh, That's I fair. knew we weren't going to talk about it. And so. that movie is kind of oddly fascinating because it, it takes a sort of uh, inconsistent tone with where it stands on the lead character, who is the villain of the previous film. Now, like not the antagonist, but not the antihero of the uh, sequel, but he's like the main character of it. I'm just. Um, I'm glad they didn't do that with this movie. I guess. I mean, it would be even worse, probably. But what? I, but wait. What about Leatherface? I. I don't really know like what Leatherface's whole deal is because this is saying I mean, here. I brought up the Wikipedia. They were going to do a sequel to Texas Chainsaw 3D. I don't know. It was Texas Chainsaw 3D a sequel or like what are these movies? I don't know what anything is. Oh, uh, I mean, that's kind of going into the fairly confusing legacy of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise, such as it is. Is that I know, like I said, like they're all trying to emulate or continue on the legacy of the original film. And I think that's going to be in vain outside of capitalistic hopes, because you're just not going to recreate that magic. I mean, the only thing you can really hope for, like in a film like this, is that you're going to just get, you know, people hoping that it's just at least passable. <laughs> and usually that's not the case with these films. So what I'm seeing here is Leatherface takes place in the 1960s so it's another prequel and then Texas Chainsaw 3D takes place in the 70s after the original film mm-hmm. but like it's still the 70s I mean that's not a bad idea actually like kind of wish that's what this movie was mm-hmm. but okay but uh, um, but yeah I mean okay uh, going back to this film what I was saying before with its kind of storied history so after Leverface which I haven't seen I don't think you said you saw either um no. Lionsgate had hopes to continue the franchise to keep it going, but I guess they just kind of stalled too long or whatever it was the studio. They lost the rights to that film. And uh, I think legendary took it up shortly thereafter. 
And that's when Alvarez and uh, I think another producer, I'm trying to look up his name, um, Rodo Seguz. Um, I'm probably butchering that. I apologize. But uh, they were producing it with a few other folks and they hired uh, like a pair of filmmakers, Ryan and Andy Tohill, to basically do, like you said, like this Halloween 2018 approach to the thing. And they I think they jumped ship like the first week of production on this film. So the director of this film came on shortly thereafter, sort of like a director for hire, I believe, David Blue Garcia. Um, and I don't know that name or recognize it from anywhere else. So I'm going to assume that he's either making his like directorial debut with this project or he's just not really someone who's like coming in with a vision for the project. He's just sort of like whatever the producers run for this movie. That's what I'm going to deliver. Hopefully on time <laughs> so, and under budget. So he made one other film, uh, not as well known, a very small indie film called Tejano from a few years ago. Around the time, it looks like they were um, optioning to do this. Movie. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, you can kind of tell this is a director who hasn't made a lot of mm-hmm. films before, but we'll, we'll talk about well, that. Yeah, soon, uh, I think. yeah. But basically there, there was a lot of conflict with the production and when they were testing the film, I think they shot this in 2020 after they tested it, got according to INDB, which, you know, is always a flawed source, but it got universally panned and, you know, just torn apart with test screenings and legendary was basically just like, I don't know what we're going to do with this. And it kind of became a hot potato project, but they kept bouncing it to different people and studios and distributors being like, do you want to release it? Do you want to release it? And eventually Netflix just picked it up and was just like, yeah, we can dump this at some point, you know, when are you going to dump it? I don't know, sometime. And I guess they just chose to put it out kind of quietly in February. Like, there wasn't a lot of buildup for this release. Like, I know there was a lot of talk about they had a Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre movie that they were going to release at some point. It seemed- and you were even sort of being like, hey, what's that? Net- Isn't there a Netflix movie mm-hmm. coming out? And we were like, I don't know. Right. And then we were like, oh, is it the Kanye West documentary? like, no, it's, it's a movie. And then it, yeah, eventually we got there. Yeah, I mean, and... You know, I I think the writing, as I've mentioned, was sore on the wall. This was going to be bad. Uh, I would be surprised if anyone walked into this or, you know, put it on Netflix hoping it was going to be good. I mean, if they were hoping it was just, you know, in in vain, I guess they were just really wanting the best for this very tortured franchise. But um, obviously, you know, this has been pretty easily one of the worst reviewed movies of the year. and It'll probably remain as such going into the rest of the year. And I don't really blame anyone for strongly criticizing the film because it is a deeply nihilistic, cynical film that is taking the goodwill that people have somehow retained for this franchise and kind of hoping they can milk that for fairly cynical purposes. And yeah, so I don't blame anyone for not liking this film, (laughs) basically, yeah. Right. So, you know, I'll set this up, I guess. But the first thing I want to say is after watching this movie... And, you know, not very long, right? You know, it's 81 minutes. Oh, yeah, it's been hacked. You get through it. You get through it pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, um, my, my thought after I, I watched this, and I, I wrote this on Letterboxd because I knew exactly how I felt as soon as I finished the film and I sat down, typed away, and I said, you know, I really think what, what I hope after, and I mean this sincerely, um, I want everybody involved in the making of this film, David Blue Garcia, and Fede Alvarez, all, all the screenwriters, directors, not the actors, but the the, the dudes. Um, I want a them lad. to take a little break. Take take a little break from making films. I'm saying like five years. Um, 
just quit. You know, you can come back, but just think about what you've done. Like really, really sit down and analyze. Hmm. Like I had a bit of a, uh, a little bit of an oopsie with this, uh, this franchise and, you know, just, just think about it and figure it out, you know, and then we'll see it. We'll see in a little bit. And then a few years from now, can't wait to see what, you know, what you do with some Blumhouse movie. Who knows? Um, I, I, that, that's, that's about where I'm at. Now, the story of this movie, hilariously, there is a story. Uh, it's just Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No, no article the, And a group of, I guess, like Gen Z light. Like they're, I guess they're, they're like a couple of them are definitely Gen Z, like high schoolers or right out of high school. A couple of them are older. It's confusing. They they live in Austin, live in the big city, and they're like, well, we're gonna, you know, start a, a restaurant. I think it was, right, a restaurant. So this is where it gets kind of confusing. They seemingly acquire a town, of, you know, a dead, um, you know, just kind of like a dead in the middle of Texas sort of town. That is, you know, the home town of our lead Leatherface, who is still living there in an orphanage, which is very confusing because he wasn't an orphan in the original film. Like he had a family. And even if, you know, that family didn't, you know, the things didn't turn out well for them, he was still an adult. So it's kind of vague as to why he's in an orphanage at all. But that's, you know, that that's kind of one of many questions that people will have watching this film. <laughs> Sure. Um, and I was confused because the there's an elderly woman he treats like a mother figure named Ginny. And I, I do not remember anybody, any character like that. I wasn't sure if I was just missing something. Mm-hmm. But the movie literally opens with being like a news or sort of like a trailer for a documentary or something for this town. And it's like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it's, it's just giving you a recap of the movie. Sure, okay. And here's the final girl. She's the one who survived. She's still trying to find him. And, you know, first oopsie of the movie. Okay. Big, big old, big old oops. Um, how does she not find him? Yeah, that's the funniest he's thing. He's just, it's the funniest God, like... He's just this big guy. He's still in that town. Yeah, he didn't go anywhere. He just he went did, to the orphanage. So you could. Yeah. First place. And she's, be, she's been looking for him for 50 years. And that's where I kind of. So I'm, I'm going to be. I, it seems from your initial response that you are overwhelmingly negative on the film, which I understand. Like I said, I want this movie to unexist. And for me, I'm. I think I'm sort of in the so bad it's good camp for me because I'm not 100 percent sure. I'm not 100 percent sure what the intentions of the filmmakers were, or if it just kind of got butchered in the process. But all the stuff that's making that, that they're copy and pasting from other legacy sequels, including like we said, Halloween 2018, is so sort of carelessly shoehorned into this film that it basically. I'm assuming indirectly, but there's a part of me that wonders intentionally if it's satirizing this sort of new genre of horror films. Because like you said, like, that, no, it is not. It's not. You say that, but like it's sort of being like we can be they're trying to be Eli Roth. They're trying to be Rob. Z- they're trying to do all of this stuff that is just well, it's inconsistent, not- to be sure. But all this stuff with Sally, as you mentioned, that the, the, the final girl who comes back character is so sort of indifferent to the overarching narrative of the film, including like what happens with their character later on, which. That scene, I think, is probably the funniest in the whole film, just because it kind of just takes the whole piss out of the Halloween 
the new Halloween movies. And I how how does it take the piss out of it? Well, I mean, I'd have to it's get just into spoilers. mimicking it, but making no. her like a okay. Yeah, I won't. I won't I mean, spoil anything. But I mean, I can just tell you, and you can edit this out. But I, I mean. No, no, we, we'll we'll get to it. Let's we'll, we'll we'll get to the Sally of it all later because I think it's one of the most egregiously terrible aspects of this movie. Oh, but yeah, I get what you're saying, yeah. But I mean, the 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 main characters of the film are both Leatherface uh, and these sort of like you said influencer sort of characters. Some of them are in high school. Some of them I'm not 100 percent sure how old they are, but they they're in the Zoomer millennial age gap that that generation yeah it's a bit of a stew we do have another one of these like gen z and millennials are the same yeah like there's no difference but the main nothing matters the the final girl of this film or like the main character of the film is uh elsie fisher uh, fisher uh i forget her character's name but i didn't even recognize her until the end credits to be honest yeah she has like dark short hair she's gotten a little bit older she looks different from when we saw her in eighth grade the movie not the class but there's a very fairly egregious thing that the movie introduces with her character as far as a backstory where she is a victim of a school shooting. They're trying to do the thing where like a victim of like assault, right? We've seen that in a lot of horror films and it's always the allegory. It's always the, always the metaphor, right? The final girl, mm-hmm. you know, you know, kind of like taking revenge. They try to do it with a school shooting. And that was like when this happened, and they have her like do something in this movie to like mirror that. That was when I was like, these guys need to just like reevaluate their choices because they are just they're taking something that's just like so traumatic for people and just handling it so terribly. And it's just like so dumb, like it's dumb for them to do it. It's irresponsible for them to do it. They do it terribly. Like maybe there was a way to do it that it would have worked. I don't know. But I think way more talented people should have been in charge of that because maybe they wouldn't have messed it up this badly. It really made me mad. That's understandable. And I understand your reaction, but I feel above. I'm of kind of two minds on this. One is the objective one where it's just like that's doesn't really need to be in this movie. It serves little point other than kind of the cheaply make her character have some death that is obviously not really there. But also that's pretty true to what the exploitation genre is. They take real life things like this and they add to characters. You may not like it or agree with it, but that it is true to what the B-movie exploitation genre is. And that, like I said, it's not the inclusion of it. It's how it's handled. Sure. Because like, here, here's the thing that I'm going to say that's very, you know, is going to be surprising. Because I actually don't think the concept is bad here sure like i actually think like yeah it's super derivative yeah it's super derivative of a setup but like the idea of it like the concept of let's do you know let's just like erase Mm -hmm. all this other texas chainsaw stuff it worked for those other movies it would work for this right yeah and it's just taking a more small scale lean approach really emphasize on the gore and kills make it this small town really focus on the location the concept's there it's like that here are the types of characters here are the things that like that they're interested in and, you know, like add some things about gentrification. That's interesting. Okay. Well, you know, these have always been pretty political movies. we got a political stuff in there. It's the execution. The execution is so unbelievably bad that like you, you do play with fire with these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And I think they're just like throwing, they're on fire. They're just throwing it at me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, please stop. I don't want it. Yeah. No, I get where you're coming from. I think that's valid, but I also, that goes back to what I was saying earlier, which is that this is so lazy and so callous and so sort of filled with contempt for a whole generation of people. 
and even a whole generation of trauma that that kind of goes. Yeah, back. you said cynical. It's I think mean spirited. Oh, it's absolutely mean spirited. But that's going back to what, like I said, that's going back to what I'm saying. Where it's it feels like this is a very mean spirited lark on a virgining genre of horror films that are coming out. And I don't know if that's intentional or not, so I don't want to give the movie too much credit. But it seems like this whole movie is just kind of taking the piss out of what horror movies are becoming. And I think that's more that these filmmakers are not really well attached to the right genre. I saw someone on Letterboxd, I believe it was Josh Lucas, said that they're basically trying to make a Friday the 13th reboot, but they're doing it through the texas chainsaw massacre genre or the franchise i didn't know i didn't know the actor josh lucas was on sorry josh lewis i apologize i oh sorry josh (laughs) lewis i misspoke um but i agree with that sentiment in that like i think this is trying to be a broader more schlocky movie but they're trying to make leatherface into this sort of like almost like larger in life figure and what made leatherface so terrifying was how real and unsettling he was and to try to do that with who is I if it's a direct sequel, he has to be like 80 something years old now. Right. Or, yeah, because it's like mid 70s and like right. what you maybe he's like 20. I feel like that's the right. young. He's such a big guy. Right. But OK, OK. He ate his Wheaties 20 years old in the 70s, 50 years later. Yeah, 70 years old. Right. Like at the youngest. That's, like that's. Yeah. Which what it's confusing, but it's like that works for something like Halloween 2018, because Michael Myers is not meant to be human like he he has a human form but he's the embodiment of evil so there is like this metaphysical aspect to him where he if you try to do the if you try to kill me only make him stronger that, that's like the whole idea of his character and that's been accepted since the get-go but from toby hooper's movie leatherface is very much supposed to be a real person that you know he's like this hillbilly inbred character who has no morals and he was grew up in this really deprived town and he is very attached to his humanity and he is a cannibal. Like he literally eats people, which is not in this movie at all. There's no cannibalism, which is also very bizarre, I guess. I'm not that I'm advocating for cannibalism, but just that's a now, big, like, geez, well, Ash, that's a big part of the Texas don't get, don't Chainsaw don't show us how hungry franchise. <laughs> that's kind of for a movie that's just nihilistic and bleak about humanity. It's weird that they didn't even reference the cannibalism. I, don't know. I guess I guess I guess it was just like. They really wanted that lean runtime, I guess. I guess. I, well, he didn't have time to eat anybody. The whole thing happens like in a day. I know. Leatherface Less is than. editing this movie with his chainsaw. He's just hacking and slacking, just getting to the, go. the meat of it, I guess. But um, yeah, I just think it's a very confused movie in, in, the, in the broad scheme of things. And it's a very, uh, as you said, very juvenile and dumb film at the same time. Like I've seen Pals of Dirt. They're smarter than this movie <laughs> that make more sense than this movie. But they're auctioning off houses. Yeah. It's just dumb. Like, who does that? But, They're going to be where they eat brunch in this place. Who's going to eat brunch? Yeah. Hit Leatherface. All right. Calm down, Jerry Seinfeld. But <laughs> um, yeah, but at, at the same time, this movie is so unpretentious with itself. And so, like I said, gleefully sort of nihilistic that I almost weirdly have to respect at the same time. And I know that doesn't bode well with you, but that's just where I'm coming oh. out with this film. I, I, it's like respecting like the biggest jackass at the bar, you know, it's just like, yeah, he's not pretentious, but he's just a total douche. Like, no, like, I don't, there's just nothing to me that like redeems 
this movie for me at all. Like, yeah, cancel this movie. I'm like, that line of dialogue, Will. I don't care if I oh, that was in the it. trailer, apparently. I heard that line Try before. anything and you're canceled? Yeah, the dialogue in this movie is horrendous. Uh, I'm not going to defend the shit. writing at all. Yeah. Like, come on. And it, it, it's not even just that it's like one guy saying that. It's like the whole bus. But that will say. And it's, yeah. <laughs> it's just so it's just one thing after another. That bus and then even, scene. okay. That bus scene is pretty wild. It's pretty good. Here's the thing. The bus scene I, I actually kind of vouch for. And I will vouch for the gore, which is surprisingly strong and memorable. The practical effects are fine. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I actually that, think the gore they get that stuff across. is outright good. I would say if there's one objectively good thing about the movie, it is the gore and the practical effects. But what undercuts the gore for me, no pun intended, is just how uninteresting the cat and mouse sequences are. Like, it's fine when it's in the bus and they just get to it, you know, because like, what are you going to do? But like, they, it just goes on Like for a movie that's only 81 minutes. They go on and on with like creeping around the house, not trying to get his attention, being really stupid about mm. how you're going to get out of this situation. Right. And, and like the whole ending thing where we just have a couple characters left and they're just making choices that I'm like, I, this guy, he, it's not Michael Myers or he's not supposed to be. I guess he is. But like, I don't know. I just, it, it beggars belief, like wh- how things just keep the reversals and like, no, not yet. And then now, and then nope. And then it's just, just stop. I'm done. No more. Yeah. Get out of Texas. Yeah. And I believe this was not shot in Texas. It was like, uh, Valeria or, uh, well, um, Bulgaria. Sorry, Bulgaria. Um, I'm not sure why. I guess for COVID reasons, huh? Uh, I was going to say know. for tax purposes, but sure, you can believe that it was could also be part COVID. of it. I mean, it, I yeah. mean, if you wanted to film a place that kind of looks almost like Texas, you could probably find a place around Atlanta. But I guess, I, guess, I don't know. I guess that like dry, you know, humid kind of yeah, that might that might be kind of I mean, tough, huh? Let's be real. Outside of Austin, uh, I mean. <laughs> How much of Texas is really following protocols with COVID? I don't know. Film productions might be different. I don't want to speak out Ill, Ill of that. But um, but yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. Like, I don't know. I mean, this is, as you were mentioning, kind of evoking that sort of 2000s or mid 2000s sort of Eli Roth heavy gore film where it's it's basically gore porn. Like, I don't really like to use that term yeah, but it's, it's kind it of it reminds me because you mentioned friday the 13th it reminds me of the remake from like what 2010 or whatever it was. i didn't see that but i'll take your word for it i mean the photography of the film is fairly handsome for what it is but okay as uh as i've kind of mentioned before i think that kind of undermines what's going it's too sleek it's too style like it, like the original film looks gorgeous but it also still has that grime and grittiness that is so vital to what the movie's going for. And this movie just doesn't have any of that grime or greatness at all. It's so polished over as either a Netflix film or a legendary film, a for- former theatrical studio film, that it, it just it fails to even try to have that grime that was so crucial to Toby Hooper's original film. Yeah, I... I think the thing that still bugs me about it the most, uh, although I, I did like, I, I saw one person uh, joke about the movie and say they should have called it the Tesla Chainsaw Massacre. I thought that was fun. But uh, that speaks to me, like, just the image of pop culture we have right now. We've touched on it. Just the whole divide between Gen X and boomers and millennials and Gen Z. And it's just... It's fairly... I think that stuff is interesting, but it's like, it's just such a low-hanging fruit. Like they really didn't even try very hard with this, you know, like, yeah, it's kind of tired. Just all the cliches, mm-hmm. all the sort of easy jokes about it. There's a lot of like, you know, 
red state like over sympathizing too with the just in the the context of like the confederate flag and that character and it's like you're misjudging him and then i'm while i'm watching that i'm like well you can do that but i just i just felt like movies like tucker and dale versus evil like that movie really does that super well sure that's all this movie does is remind me of better stuff well yeah i mean it reminds you of texas chainsaw massacre (laughs) which is a not not as much i mean you'd think but i don't know i mean it's it's clearly trying to be some sort of sequel but it seems to have as you said basic contempt for not only that franchise or the horror franchise at large but basically a whole generation of two or people and that's fine i guess but like you said like the characterizations are so broad and so lazy that obviously they're just characters who are lambs for the slaughter which are kind of fine but it's also you know if if it's just going to be 80 something minutes of um you know, slicing and dicing people. It's not the worst thing in the world, in my opinion, but it's also kind of just like, what are we really doing here? Sure. Sure. Yeah. I, I will say one other, I guess I'm just saying positive things to be diplomatic, but uh, I guess the look of Leatherface is like not bad. Like if you're going to do an older version of Leatherface, you're going to do like the skin mask, you're going to do all that stuff. They got that across pretty well. Like he looks pretty terrifying, very imposing. I believed that this was a, that this was Leatherface, mm-hmm. even though the timelines don't really match up. And uh, so uh, you, you can give it you can give it half a star for that, I guess. Sure. And I did hear I don't know if this I haven't confirmed this, but apparently the chainsaw I use is the actual original chainsaw from the original film. So that's pretty cool. That just makes me angry. Sure. OK, I'm opening up the spoiler stuff okay. because I want to mention the whole subplot where we have the Jamie Lee Curtis stand in. Now, we Sally. don't have the original actress she passed away. Uh, who played Sally. She passed away, yeah, 2014. I saw that. And, uh, you know, they were they had a replacement. Um, this actress is Alwyn Ferrer. Okay. Ferrer. I don't know how to pronounce that. But she just kind of, wow, do they build this up to, she's just like, this is my moment. And we already joke. mentioned just the nonsense of how she just, she wasn't able to track this guy down. Right. It's really she became a ranger in the area and she's been searching for him for 50 years and he was upstairs. Yeah. I mean, I'll give credit where it's due. This is a pretty good joke that they set up where they kind of like do the hollow beep or beat. Like, I'm going to get my vengeance after all this year. And it's just like you said, like, you've been living in the same state. Why don't you just go back to the place where you were i know it's kind well, yeah. of traumatic there but how was the investigation yeah it's I'll give her- like at least with halloween there was a reason right. he was captured yeah, yeah was- i mean i would have been more forgiving if, if they were trying to actually do this be like i know where he lives but i'm just too terrified to go back there and deal with it but it's more just like i haven't been able to find him like you said it's just like he, he's right there he didn't yeah, go anywhere he was wearing a mask <laughs> Oh, yeah, he's wearing a mask. I can't tell. And then you see this guy and you're just like, it could be anybody. It, it could be that woman, Ginny. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> not a big town. Yeah. But anyway. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. They, they said so that whole thing. Yeah. Uh, so they set up the whole thing with her being like, I'm going to get my revenge. They have the whole thing where it's like, I'm going to have my big third act moment where I'm going to you know, go toe to toe with my tormentor and finally take down Leatherface. She goes up there, immediately gets a chainsaw to the stomach. Guts fly everywhere and she gets thrown into a pile of trash, which is not so immediately, funny. Not immediately. <laughs> me, which is, what she does first is lock two scared right. and bloodied teenagers in the car. Which is incredibly dumb. Being like, sorry, yeah. you're not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, like, you know, ensures at least one of them is going to die. Exactly. Yeah. Like, right. Like they would have survived. But, you know, 
And then Somehow, she even gives terrible advice. It's just like, if you don't yeah. chase him, he's going to haunt you. And it's just like, you're telling her to basically die. Well, that's because- another thing, right? Is that I, That's why I'm wondering if this is supposed to be satirical. Because it's like, obviously, it's, with uh, um, with Lori, that. with Jamie Lee Curtis in the original film, like the whole thing in 2018 is that she's gotten smarter. She's adapted. She's obviously still traumatized, but she's like learned to like adapt and like prepare for this happening it somehow seems that with sally's character she's gotten dumber somehow over all this time and playing she literally standing over him with a shotgun it it, like what are you waiting for and then yeah gets a chainsaw to the belly do you remember me like what is that gonna do gets a chance if he remembers you yeah and uh why and gets thrown into a big pile of trash I mean, she gets like, you know, like a somewhat heroic moment where she starts shooting him again. But just that whole idea of like building up that she's going to be like the big savior coming back just, you know, is fairly useless in the scheme of things. Actually makes things worse, all things considered. And then just basically dies in a pile of trash, which is horrendously disrespectful to the original film. But also as a joke, kind of funny. It's a very dark, mean-spirited joke, but it's also kind of funny. And if it is a joke, if that's supposed to be serious, then they obviously fail. I thought it was supposed to be serious. I I wish I had your optimism. I wish I was I wish I was having a fun time and relaxing. You seem to be in good spirits. But no, the thing, though, I I can get through I can get past all that stuff because it's like, whatever. But like the image of Elsie Fisher's character where it's been set up of like the trauma, like she got shot. She was in a school shooting. That's her trauma. That's her wound. Yeah. And then for this movie to be like, well, she picks up the gun and now she's the shooter. And it's just sort of like reclaiming her trauma in this way. It's just gross. Like, and like, and then she can't even fire the gun. And it's just like, it it just really like, again, It's it's like, there's a way to do it. Mm -hmm. That's not this bad. I'm not saying you can't, but like, it's just like they, they, they didn't put the time and effort into something so particular that obviously is like, uh, you know, you're, you're really, you're playing with fire. Like I said before, you really are. And I just do not get the sense that these directors really cared or right. were really trying. Sure. They were just like, let's just, we're having, you know, goofing off and like, you know, gore and gore and just like, blah. And then, yeah, if that's the case then don't add this stuff, like just don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just think in general, this is a wildly misconceived film because, you know, trying to make a commercial slasher about Leatherface is just an instantly bad idea. And as you've mentioned, sort of including the school shooter aspect and having that overlap a scene where uh, Leatherface is going ham and killing all these influencers in a bus is just sort of the wildly misguided decisions that are uh, sort of fascinating and baffling to me at the same time. But yeah, I don't know. I I think it's pretty objectively a bad film and there's no denying that's really dumb, but I didn't have an awful time watching it. I found it surprisingly pretty watchable, but I wouldn't advocate for most people to watch it. I would just say that compared to some of the bad movies we've gotten of late that I found less engaging and less watchable, this one was at least one I could throw on and say engage with for at least, you know, 80 something minutes. So were, were you drinking during this? Movie no, I was well? actually dead sober. Okay. I was too. I wish I had been drinking, but um, yeah. And I would even say like, it's, it's not just like, I'm not, I'm not saying any of this because like, I feel like these aren't my politics. I think, I think this movie's mean to everybody. It's, I think it's mean to like the people who live in this town and it's just like, yep. I, also it's so hypocritical and it's so cliche about like the people who live out here. And again, it's, just, it's something that tech, the original was so much better about. Of course. Yeah. Uh, but it, 
at the same time, like these days, like we could do something more subtle and with more nuance because there's obviously more nuance to be had. And it's just like, no, it's like, it's just low hanging fruit. It's just easy, like swish, you know, they just went for whatever straight to Netflix. You know, I thought don't look up was too like in your face with its themes, but you know, I mean, Netflix has done it again. Uh, well, like I said, not a Netflix original, but uh, I True, agree that but, uh, it needs to be do. It needs to be doing more. It needs to be doing less to really pull off what it's trying to do. Uh, and it, 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 it's like I said, very messy, very kind of all over the place. It, it feels like too many cooks were in the kitchen as far as like studio meddling, bouncing between studios, probably doing a bunch of reshoots. Too many. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I think there are a lot of things that were added and scrapped for the movie. And so there's like a lot of just kind of jarring decisions and uh, inconsistent characterizations here that just really muddle the movie up even more and make it even more baffling and less consistent. But as I've said before, I mean, it's also broadly sort of uh, unpretentious about what it's trying to do. And I don't think it's even though it has some serious stuff that's dancing around and trying to incorporate. I don't think the movie itself is really trying to make any grand statements or trying to do anything really revolutionary with the franchise. I think it's just trying to cash in on it, which is obviously deeply cynical. But at the same time, it's not the least entertaining addition to this franchise. I at least remember this more than I remember Texas Chainsaw 3D. So make of that what you will, I guess. Well, I'll ask you that again in like 10 years. We'll see about that. I mean, like I said, the deaths were at least pretty good. I don't even remember any of the deaths in Texas Chainsaw. Fair enough. Yeah. Let's play the Rotten Tomatoes game. We have 108 reviews counted. Not a lot for, you know, kind of a budgeted horror movie, but whatever. What was the budget? Uh, So if you know, uh, I think I have it right here uh, or maybe I don't. So I don't know. I imagine it's not very high. I would I would guess Uh, somewhere between 40 and 60 million. That's probably a pretty good guess. Yeah, kind of mid-size. Uh, but okay, 108 reviews. What do you think the critic RT score is? Uh, 13%? No, 31%. Oh, I, I, Way higher than I thought it would be. You got the numbers Yeah, backwards. you literally... <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were looking in a mirror or something. Mm. Uh, okay, audience score. What do you think about that? 500 plus ratings, not verified. This one... Hmm. I could honestly see this going either way. I could see... Because it's like we say, it's an objectively bad film. I'm not going to defend it. I don't even know if I really like it that much. I just kind of have some begrudging respect for what it's trying to do. And that's being pretty light with the term respect. But uh, I would say 46%. 32%. Okay. It's only one higher. So critics and audience and the critics agree. Were. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they finally agree on something. This movie is what brought America together. The divisiveness is over. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm, I'm looking at like there, there, are, there are some fresh, you know, reviews here. I know, I know one of these reviewers, Lindsay Travis, gave it a positive review. Uh, Nate Adams and Kate Sanchez. I don't, I don't agree with Kate very often, but uh, yeah, I mean, some people on here. Um, seem to like it you know they, I, they they didn't rate it high to be clear they're they're getting the fresh tomato but it's like c plus b minus you know that yeah kind of thing, i so. mean i'm kind of between a c and a c plus on it i think if i were to grade it so yeah disgust this is an f all right you would give this an f yes uh, i think it it's f. at least a d for the gore uh, f or forget about it <laughs> um all right letterbox rating 
What do you think that is? Zero to uh, five. 2.3. 2.1. We're pretty close. Not bad. Uh, no cinema score, I'm assuming. Yeah, no, I mean, it wasn't in theaters, right? I mean, I it was supposed to be, to look. but it didn't end up going to theaters, so far as I know. Yeah, no no cinema score. So, folks in Vegas, they that's probably where we got that RT score, I guess. I don't know. I imagine the RT, the uh, cinema score would be pretty low <laughs> after that. Mm. Probably like a C plus or something. Yeah. All right. That's our bonus show. Sure. Uh uh, that's all we got i guess are you gonna are you gonna like recommend though that people see the original texas chainsaw or were there any of the other like the original we, well yeah like, what would you recommend people see instead of this like the original and then like any of the other ones i mean the original for sure i mean the original obviously yeah if you haven't film. watched that yeah i mean if you haven't watched the original texas chainsaw massacre what are you doing around here yeah you spent 45 minutes right. listening to us talk about it no no get that time back i mean uh um, yeah go but would you what about the sequels though uh the second one i'd have to watch it again to firm up my opinion but i would not not recommend it okay i would say it's worth a watch um i think if i rewatched it i would actually grow to like it more because i respect mm-hmm. what it's doing the other ones that i've seen uh i didn't really have a strong opinion on it would not watch or recommend i would probably recommend this one over the 2003 remake and the texas chainsaw 3d movie but that's not really saying much mm. all right sounds like it's all pretty bottom of the barrel stuff i hope lc fisher is able to get much better roles after this yeah i mean she deserves it i'm assuming she just wanted to get attached to a studio property because i'm kind of baffled that she's involved with this film at all the only thing she has done since eighth grade besides this was uh, Adam's family. What a shame. Uh, but she, the animated one. I know. Oh, yeah. She, I don't know. She voiced some character. Yeah. I don't know which one. I mean. But uh, she, she's in it. She is in another movie that's uh, filming right now called My Best Friend's Exorcism. Or it might even be done hmm. uh, screening or filming. But that's uh, a horror film. Another horror film. Hmm. So I don't know. Maybe she, she wants that horror money. I mean. What are you going to do? Respect. I can, yeah, I can dig she's that. She's fishing. Yeah, good. <laughs> fishing, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I can, you know, I love horror movies, so if she wants to follow that train, by all means, but I just hope she gets some good stuff in the future, because she's a great actress. She did a great job in eighth grade, so hope for the best for her. Whoa, she's going to be in another film here. It looks like this might be a festival film called Latchkey Kids. Okay. And she stars in it with Alan Kim, who... um was in minari that kid okay sounds promising yeah yeah i wonder is this, this is a black comedy okay is this another a24 movie in no our idea. future as this guess we'll find out premiered or is it set to be premiering somewhere uh production began last summer okay so Still in that's post? all it says okay <laughs> who knows yeah 